Welcome back to another episode of Wind Against Tide. It's been another big long weekend of fishing. We can't wait to rip into that and have a bit of a chat about the ups and the downs of going away fishing, Joey. But straight off the bat, we thought we might get the man Luke McCroden from the Deep Drop on the line because he is going to chat a little bit about the live show we have coming up on the 6th of July next month. How are you going, Luke? Good, boys. How are you guys? It's all um, it's all smooth here. I've got a nice glass of red just warming the cockles. I said cockles. How are you? Uh, we're a bit rattled, Luke. We've uh, had a rough <laughs> we've had a rough night. We'll put it that way. But uh, look, look, look let's, talk- <laughs> let's face it. Nobody else was doing anything anyway, so we'll be right. <laughs> well, you talk about the ups and downs of fishing. Let's talk about the ups and downs of podcasting. No, we, let's not go into that. It's all good. Live streaming in particular, very hard work. I just said to Joe, is it worth going live? Seriously. But anyway, we're back on track now. So we can talk about our, our big show we've got coming up next month, Luke. I'm going to let you tell us a little bit about what we're doing because me and oh, Joe massive, don't actually know. Massive, mate. Um, uh, we're very excited about it. Adam and I over on the Deep Drop have been talking about this the last few episodes and it's uh, – it's really exciting to get amongst the listeners and obviously you have uh, some very dedicated listeners from Wind Against Tide and as do we. So it's a very exciting opportunity. 6th of July, so it's only a few weeks away, Dave, and uh, it's on a Thursday night in Berwick in Victoria. So Poker Face is the venue. Um, but the best thing to do, I suppose, as far as details go, for people to either jump on either of the Deep Drop or Wind Against Tide social media pages and there's plenty of info there or go straight over to trybooking.com search the deep drop and wind against tide it'll pop up with the event and there's all the info needed there as well including how to get your tickets which is very important but mate i I think from from our point of view it's um you know we, we we leverage and lean on our our audience so much with what we speak about and it's kind of a the natural progression is to, to do this live format. So we just can't wait to get out there and have a few beers with everyone and talk a bit of rubbish. Absolutely, mate. And I think we were saying tonight we're going to give away a few tickets to that event for the best input throughout the show. So excited to reward a few people who have jumped on our live feed or interacted with us through the socials. Yeah. And I know that you guys are probably going to do the same on your show Absolutely. next week. Absolutely. Absolutely. How good is that? How many tickets are you giving away? Five. Is that all right? We probably should have well, checked with you guys because we're no. We'll well, be I'm, I'm for them. just <laughs> yeah. I'm just more. I'm just more want, wanting to up the ante. We'll give away six next week. Six. How about that? Yeah. So no. we'll just we just want to we just want to one up wind against tide this whole time. But hey, <laughs> how about the fact that we're collectively we've we've come together and and it's just going to be a night of fishing celebration, talking fishing, having fun. Now there are murmurs, and I, and I, I can or cannot confirm. I don't know which one it is, but there are some whispers around a special guest that's going to be a part of the show as well. So I think there'll probably be some more information come out probably next week, Dave. I'd say about um, said guest and what their involvement in the show could be. But that could just add a bit of fuel to the fire. I think it's it's already going to be a pretty aw- awesome show. But to um, yeah, to have have some uh, yeah some special. A personality, let's just say that for now. And uh, watch this space, Wind Against Tiders. Watch this space. It's Taylor Swift, everyone. Oh, you've ruined it. You've ruined it. You've ruined it. (laughs) Uh. Um, No, but that would actually be awesome. Maybe me and Joe can get her. But that does sound very exciting, Luke. Uh, That really turns things on its head. What was already going to be a a great show, even better, I say. And uh, we are really looking forward to it, mate. We think, we're hoping that, 
the general public is going to embrace it as much as we've embraced it because it's a great concept and we'd love to do a bit more of it. And the thing is, we, we often, and I know you guys do as well, you put it out there to the listeners to give some feedback or ask some questions and and, and you've got some great uh, interactions and engagement with your audience. And I think what's great is we can now do this in person. We're, we're, and I know you guys are too, we, are, we will be recording the episode that we do live. So it will actually be turned into an episode that you can listen to. So this is actually the chance where not only can you just give some input and engagement, you know, across social media or whatever, you can actually be part of the show. The the audience will be encouraged to be part of the show. I think there might even be some roaming mics for the, for the punters out there to, to get involved, mate. So that's the part I think I'm looking forward to most that and the fact that there's, there's a bar so you can go and buy a few (laughs) beers and and, and have a couple of cheeky ones. So (laughs) it's going to be a blast. I don't know about you and Adam, but me and Joe always make sure that we're extremely inebriated when we podcast. So having a bar there is going to make that a lot easier than usual. Well, yeah, I think it's just, it's a natural part of both of our shows. (laughs) (laughs) And hey, and the other natural part of both of our shows is uh, a, a belly full of food. So there's, and I don't know whether I've told you this, but we're going to shout pizzas, guys. We're shouting pizzas. Oh, good on you, Deep Drop. Really appreciate that. Oh, when I say we, I mean <laughs> us collectively. <laughs> yeah, we'll pay for we'll pay for at least at least one of them, won't we, Joe? Absolutely. It's it's fantastic pizza that we've um that we've got on. We've got all the different flavors of the pizza rainbow <laughs> organized, and there'll be no food tantrums um, at this event, that's for sure. But we'll get into that a bit later. No, yeah, we do I, have some food tantrum chat for a bit later on, Joe. I, I should add, I should add, Sue, and as I said, there, there'll, there'll be a bit of a, a secret revealed later on, maybe next week, about a potential special guest. But for those of you playing along and interested in coming that may have not yet committed or you have committed, great. But I feel like, in fact, I know over the next few weeks in the lead up to this event, there's going to be some new surprises added. So keep an eye on both the Deep Drop and Win Against Odd social pages because there might be a few little bits and pieces coming out about the show that you're not going to want to miss. So it's all very exciting, Dave, and I'm looking forward to, uh, to getting getting you guys together with us and having a lot of fun with the punters. Absolutely. You've explained it better than me and Joe ever possibly could have, Luke. <laughs> I guess the main takeaway from that is jump online and purchase your tickets. They can be found on our socials or on your on the website. What's the website called again? Get tickets. Try booking. Try booking. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> if you go onto that and, and if you go to trybooking.com and there's a there's a search pick tickets or buy tickets option and just basically you can type in the deep drop and win against tide and it'll It'll come up, but uh, if there's any issues, reach out to either Win Against Tide or the Deep Drop and we can help you through that process. But, yeah, it's a probably a good, a good point. Get in and get the tickets nice and early because I, I dare say uh, as we get a lot closer, we might be getting closer to that sort of sold-out type situation. So I'd like to think that people get in now and, and grab them. And, and as, as we've said, like it's going to be a social event. It's nothing formal. So bring your mates, bring a crew of people, and maybe there's someone – who isn't necessarily a diehard fishing fanatic, but that's okay because it's going to be a lot of fun and, and there's an opportunity to mingle and have a drink and have a bit of fun. Absolutely. Hey, hey, Luke, just on the fishing side of things for a minute, I've heard you found a way to make whiting fishing enjoyable. Well, yeah, and I know it's not your cup of tea, Dave, and, and there's a lot of um, banter around you and whiting fishing. I'm not <laughs> sure. I haven't gotten to the bottom get you out because, mate, I... Soft plastics, King George Whiting and soft plastics, they just don't get enough credit. I've been lucky enough recently to have some, I'm going to call them a, a, a 
some life lessons in, in catching whiting with plastics from some very, very experienced anglers down my neck of the woods, that which was, is the Sorry, sorry Luke, that was Joseph being incredibly rude there. It wasn't our sound stuffing up again. No, that's okay. I'm, I'm used to uh, a, a mixture of being you guys being rude and the sound stuffing yeah. up, so that's fine. <laughs> I can only apologize on his part. No, but that actually but, does sound like bloody good fun. Whiting on soft plastics. Wouldn't believe it. Whiting on soft plastics. Well, it, you know what, what I've found? And and look, it's something, it's not necessarily brand new. There's a lot of people, as I said, down down my neck of the woods, which is the Ballerine Peninsula, and a lot of people do it down this way. But what I've discovered is I kind of thought it was a bit of a dead sticking situation. You just sort of cast a, a you know, a, a turtleback worm, for example, out and sit it there and they kind of just eat it like a bait. Yep. What I've discovered is it's actually the complete opposite. You work them. Uh, you, you'll find really aggressive bites, something that I've never experienced with whiting before. I know they, don't get me wrong, they put up a little scrap, that's fine. But the, I'm talking, you're getting strikes on these soft baits, soft plastics, which you'd sort of almost be forgiven for thinking it was, you know, something like a, I don't know, maybe a salmon or a tailor or something like that mm. that's hitting and running with it. And you think, geez, how good is this? Like we've just, I've just, I've, yeah, it's going to be hard for me to go back and, fish baits for them let's put it that way yes i've always thought of them as an apex predator as it were and that just confirms my theory so uh look out look Have out you? look out now that they've worked out they can eat moving things look out the rest of the sea creatures that's all i can say i got a question for for luke how you going mate good good to speak to you joe it yeah. makes some sense of this show will you absolutely what's what's your biggest whiting on the soft plastic there mate meter and a half <laughs> um no Plausible. look it's it's a good it's a good. It's a good question. Um, I, I, I don't. I haven't measured the last few. They've been well and truly sized, but there's certainly um, pushing that around that probably forty. You know, um, high thirties, forty. So there's solid, solid fishing uh, happening around at the moment down in certain parts of. I'll call it Southern Port Phillip Bay, but like from Queenscliff, Lonsdale Bight, right up wrap around into sort of Cryo Bay. There, there's just some absolute stonkers at the moment, mate. And we, we're very, very fortunate. And I know. Western Port have some really big fish at the moment too, but um, for probably many reasons, but there's certainly some really, really good fish around. And I'm actually quite surprised that um, one of the other things I'm using, and this might sound a bit crazy, but I'm using seven-inch turtleback worms. And, yes, I cut probably maybe the best part of an inch off, but we're Mm. talking about a five- or six-inch soft plastic that are just being engulfed by these fish. So, as you can imagine, most fish aren't small so the, the the fish that are taking them are a big fat chunky fish which are putting up such a great scrap but i'm um i'm branching out i've challenged um a couple of friends of mine who do a bit of this sort of fishing to maybe look into some of the deeper waters around western port maybe even offshore um down in the eastern part of the state as well because i think it could be a really good way to target some really big fish really big whiting I love it, mate. I can't wait to give it a try. And um, I just had to ask you, you about that you one. Won't, you no, won't um, give it a try, mate. I have the best intentions of giving it a try, <laughs> right? So yeah. I will yeah. endeavour to put that on my list of things to do along with preparing for the live show. So thanks so much for coming on, Luke, and uh, walking us through what everyone has to look forward to and a bit of bonus whiting on lures tips. <laughs> we really appreciate it. We won't take up too much more of your night. You can get back to hey, your- no, it's a we can get back absolute, to your red wine there, buddy. Yeah, I will. I will. I need a report. It's an absolute pleasure to come on as always, guys. And uh, yeah, just 
Don't forget, people out there, 6th of July. It's a Thursday night in Berwick. It's going to be a blast. Get on it. And uh, good luck to all those involved tonight to pick up a, some free tickets. That's a pretty good uh, pretty good get. But, Joey, Dave, have a great night. Thank you very much for having me. Thanks, Luke. Good on you, mate. Love have your work, Luke. Thanks, mate. Joey. I think he said it all, really. Live show coming up. Absolutely. Live show, pizza, uh, bar, and fishing friends. Too easy. Now we can crack on with the rest of the show, buddy, and it's quite an exciting one. You and I have done some fishing over the weekend. We set foot on the road at the King's birthday long weekend. We, Dave, myself, and Brendan Wing were able to get away on Sunday and Monday. And, yeah, boy, did we have the time of our lives. Yeah, mate. Uh, I think on our last podcast, people might have been listening, I hope, and we were trying to decide what we were going to do. Uh, we chose we chose to go east, young man. We chose to go east. So we had that weather window of Sunday and Monday available to us. You, myself, Brendan Wing, the old boy, rolled out of his den. It was a – it was a – we were reunited. It's Am- been a while. Amigos reunited um, for quite some time. So it was um, – it was good. You will never laugh – as much on a boat as uh, fishing with uh, the old boy, Brendan Wing. Absolutely, Joe. Laugh at him, I say. <laughs> and laugh at Joe. Anyway, we uh, had quite mixed results in fishing, which we're going to get to, but I guess I wanted to start off by absolutely roasting you because you broke an unsaid rule. Actually, it's been quite broadly said. A rule of fishing, Joey. You're guilty. Do you know what you're guilty of? Oh, gosh. I don't know what the big deal is, but I know you're going to make a big deal of it, but go on. Mate, what happened was we launched on the Sunday, right? And by the time everyone stuffed around, we got down there. Oh, she was gentleman's hours by the time we launched, which was okay because it was a little bit rough on the run run out anyway. It was quite windy in the morning still. So we got out to the fishing grounds. It's been a rough run out there. Our bodies are bashed and bruised. Mine wasn't, but... Continue. We're having sounder difficulties, things that just have been going wrong up to this point. And Brendan taps me on the shoulder, points behind me, I turn around and here's Joey munching away on a freaking banana. 90 kilometres offshore in some of the most dangerous waters in the world on a tiny trailer boat and Joey decides he's going to pull out a banana, which is widely known to be extremely bad luck on a boat. And he just didn't give a shit. He just thought it was okay. Defend yourself. Right. I brought a banana with me fishing because let's let's cut the bullshit. When you go fishing with mates, you eat shit. You eat high carbohydrate, high protein, cheesy, creamy, rich, chocolatey, sugary foods. So I wanted to keep myself pretty regular and ha- and keep my uh, <laughs> keep yourself regular keep myself regular and I wanted to keep up the dietary fiber mate people don't need to hear about your bowel movements so I brought a banana <laughs> to you know just keep that food pumping through my uh, digestive system because nothing worse than going away with the boys and eating and drinking shit all weekend and you just feel all clog- clogged up and I even I even uh, let you know that yeah you, you can't be clogged up it's very uncomfortable you know, you yeah, farting and, and you just, you, like, it's awful. So there you go. That's why. I'm sort of sorry I asked that 
that was uh, way too much information. For a little bit of backstory for those that aren't aware, bananas are considered to be extremely bad luck on boats and I think it rings back to ye olden days in old, old wooden ships. Yes, in the 1800s. Where they were transporting bananas and they would quite often be the first of the fruit. They'd turn the rest of the cargo fruit bad because, you know, bananas go right very quickly, Joe. I'll tell you and what, the banana didn't freaking make the Tim Tams go bad in the front. They were freaking gone in two seconds. No, they, nobody, no. They, Tim Tams aren't unlucky. They're very good luck. <laughs> Are they really? Yes. <laughs> they, in fact, it's probably because the Tim Tams that we're still alive to tell this tale because they counteracted your bad juju with the bananas. But anyway, all your crap about crap you've just spoken before, makes no sense, mate. There's plenty of other fruits you could have eaten. The fact that you just pulled that banana out so nonchalantly, ate it and arrogantly just dismissed the fact that we were furious really ground my gears, I've got to tell you. It ground my gears. I wish I had a picture of the utter disgust <laughs> on both of their face. They were just disgusted in me. That was the That's the best way I can describe it. It was like silence and the just disgusted looks between Brendan and, and Dave, but I didn't give a shit. I wanted to stay regular. Uh, I, I didn't think you were going to go there with that. I sort of wish I didn't ask. Uh, Peter Ferguson says, I once took a bag of lolly bananas and Winger cracked it. Yeah, it sounds about right. And threw them overboard. Three hours later, he wanted to try to find them floating at sea to eat them. <laughs> I don't really like any other fruits. I like bananas. That's that's it. Um, I once had a very tough day out on the tuna fields and then discovered that someone had brought banana breads, Joe. So it's, just, it's things with banana extract. Oh, the my God. Now we're really <laughs> freaking scraping the bottom of the barrel. I'll tell you what. Hey, how was dinner, by the way, Joe? A bit of a farmed crispy skin salmon we had before the show. Really enjoyed it. Yeah, we did. Uh, Atlantic salmon, anybody knows me, loves a good crispy skin salmon. Had some uh, uh, lemon wedges, mashed potato, and some uh, char-grilled broccoli with uh, chili and garlic. Mm-mm. And uh, the whole time I was eating it, I could only think of the movie that you made me sit down and watch part of, which was Sea Spiracy with the rotting salmon in the uh, in the salmon bin. <laughs> the disease-ridden salmon. But yeah. I sure did enjoy it. I showed Dave um, the, the Netflix documentary Seaspiracy about all the ocean conspiracies and, um, yeah, he was definitely moved by seeing that, that scene of uh, all of the disease-rotted uh, salmon from, from the bins from that documentary. So he still hasn't quite recovered from watching that. <laughs> yeah, I still hate it though. I still enjoyed it. Hmm. Anyway, back to our story of our tale of our trip, Joe. Yeah. So Lakes Entrance. Yep. Famous these days for giant swords, wouldn't mm. you say? Yeah. It's a long bloody way out. It's been it been probably three years since I'd travelled in a trailer boat out to those uh, sword fields and it's just when you think you're there, um, there's another hour to go. <laughs> That's right. It's a bloody long run, Joey. And uh, especially long when it, there's a bit of, of a sea on as there was over the weekend. but And, and we went out in a six-metre, your six-metre Eden Craft with a 250 V8 on it, which is a freaking awesome boat. I love that boat so much. But, you know, we were still thinking, wouldn't it be nice to run out to those sword fields in a seven or eight-metre boat with, um, you know, something even bigger? It would just, it would help. It would help. So it's been a while since we've done some sword fishing and I was keen to get it back out there. 
Um, unfortunately, we really only got that probably half a day in, but it was pretty exciting fishing, Joe. As soon as we got there, the sea started to settle down and we had some beautiful baits going down to the bottom. We had a nice range of Purim, Lake Purimbeet eel. Oh, yes. <laughs> which we, we, we took great glee in dropping to the seafloor so far from uh, its original capture point. Oh, that Purimbeet eel had a date with Destiny um, for, for a couple of months now. Mm, I was very, I've been very excited to deploy him to the depths for some Mate, time. Look at the ocean. Look up on your screens now. We've got it. The, both of the bent butt uh, tiagras there and they are just deployed and the sea's got just just a ripple on it. It's it's probab- It's pretty calm. It was calm by... It was, re- it was a really beautiful sunset. It was calm by late afternoon, yeah, but it didn't start off that way. Uh, but, yeah, we had, the, we had Dr. Eel, as we like to call him, floating through the ocean and... He produced some bites, Joe. We reckon we had a uh, quite a good inquiry on that one uh, in the afternoon. Yeah, we did. We were getting some. We were getting some bites on the on the reel. Oh, sorry, we we're getting some bites on the line. And um, yeah, Brendan was telling me, Joe, put 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 your hands on on your on the reel. Um, he he wanted me to put my hand over his hand. So <laughs> I, I didn't like. It was almost like Brokeback Mountain for a second. But I put my hand on the reel. <laughs> without his hand on it, and I could feel it getting whacked. I could actually feel the thwack, thwack, thwack coming up the braid and right onto to the reel. So we, we were getting some hits but failed to connect. We, we did. It turns out the bait, the circle hook came up and it was tangled back on itself, which we think was probably the issue with getting a clean hook up. The fish uh, was pretty committed and kept hitting it for some time but the hook just wasn't able to set. But you can see there on the depth sounder, we had a few marks like that where we marked swordfish about 200 to 300 metres down, Joey, uh, which is pretty exciting. Makes you realise you, you're in the right area and certainly gets the old heartbeat going. Yeah, and, and up on your screen now, I've got Dave's uh, Faruno there. And, yeah, look, we did mark a sword. What's that, about 250 metres in the scatter uh, layer of the, of the deep, deep ocean there. What is the scatter layer for all of those listening in that are not familiar with it? Oh, mate, you need to talk to our good mate Jonah Yick from Tasmania about that. He's very, very proud and passionate about his scatter layers and what makes it up. Yeah. But um, it's generally small organisms. He'd have some fancy scientist name for it. And uh, it can be made off of, yeah, many, many different things. Um, But you often find in that scatter layer you get a lot of squid and stuff like that of which the swordfish like to eat, so they tend to hang in that region anywhere from sort of 200 metres down to the seafloor. So um, you can see there there's a bit of scatter layer midwater, a nice mark and some some stuff on the bottom too as well, Joey. So our sword fishing was good. I felt like we were we had a good crack at that, Joe, but unfortunately probably just not enough time out there to extract the best of it. Well, well we did. We left uh, Melbourne at 2 a.m., um, and yeah, look, by the time, no, not 2 a.m., so sorry, about 4.30 we left. And by the time we launched 9.30, um, you know, that put us sort of just shy of 11 o'clock on the sword ground. So we just sort of had the, yeah, we had three, about three and a half, four hours in the afternoon before we had to um, make our way back in. Yeah, well, just on the whole hook thing, a few people are commenting on the live feed about um, jays and circles, which is an ongoing debate with Swordfish Joe. Everyone thinks they're right. Everyone does it differently. None of them seem to work 100% of the time. 
we've had good success, good success in the past running twin J hooks, um, but in terms of releasing fish and um, probably yeah, giving you the option to release the fish if you wish, probably not the best way to go because they quite often end up hooked quite quite deep. And I've taken a bit of a leaf out of some of the best game fishermen I know's books, and they're running circle hooks. So I figure if it's good enough for them, I'll have to make it work as well. In fact, there's one guy over in Tassie, Matt uh, Watson, who's a very famous angler. Most people would know that name from the Ultimate Fishing Show. He runs circles and has extremely good hookup rates. So I think you just got to work out the best method of deploying them and presenting to the presenting to them to the fish, and it's a really effective effective way to go. Don't you think, Joe? Absolutely. All righty. So we went in after our unsuccessful sword trip and we found that we were getting quite hungry, Joe. We asked for some good eateries and I'm going to let you talk about this one because we found an absolute beauty. Well, we uh, contacted the, the mayor of the east, uh, Simon Webby, and we, we were actually we, – we, we were staying up in, in Bansdale for the night and we went to the Terminus Hotel – we were highly recommended to go and have a great pub meal at that establishment. So when we got back in that afternoon, we made our way over to uh, the Terminus and uh, we ordered um, for entree cheesy garlic bread, as we do, four pieces. That was absolutely beautiful. And um, I ordered the, a scotch fillet. Um, we also had some local uh, Shiraz. Um, that was out. Oh, gee, I've forgotten the, the name of the bottle, but um, we, we had local wine. We I had a Scotch fillet. Uh, Brendan had the lasagna, which he reckons was a ten out of ten. It's it, it, the the self claimed food connoisseur. It said that that lasagna was absolutely beautiful. Um, and Dave, what did you have? I can't remember. Oh, mate, I went to the Palmer, and you can't go past a good pub Palmer on a fishing trip. But one of the other things that was uh, has been really griping me lately. I've got a lot of kind of grinds my gears this week, things that have just been pissing me off generally. Palmers, they're over $30 at most establishments. I had one the other day, $32, absolutely terrible. The one at Bansale, $30, bloody beautiful. I'm not too upset about paying that. I'll cop it. But over $30 for a bit of crumb chicken, inflation is really hitting hard now, Joe. They're affecting our palmers. Yeah, oh, that's, yeah that's just what it is. Um, but the, how was the chips? My God, the chips, I reckon, were an absolute standout. They were, they were a 10 out of 10. They were crispy, crunchy, and um, you know, still sort of meaty bits of potato in the middle. Yeah. So if you're down that way and you want a good feed, can highly recommend Terminus, as recommended by our local tour guide, Simon Webster, who yep. even gave us accommodation, Joe. He sure did. We needed somewhere to stay for the night. Um, being a long weekend... Um, there was absolutely no chance we were going to get accommodation and um, Simon Webster offered his uh, premises for us to camp in. And have a look at this. <laughs> Where are we, Dave? Mate, we are in the Webster Furniture head factory there. Stronghold. The stronghold. <laughs> their cave, their base of operations, their storage facility. And, and fishing shed. Basically, we thought being a long weekend, we might struggle for accommodation. Simon offered up some factory floor there and we thought, you know what? That's a bloody great idea. Now, it was quite ironic when we arrived there that we thought, 
Of course. It's a furniture warehouse. There's bloody beds everywhere. And the irony wasn't left lost on me that we'd just hauled a swag, uh, a blow-up mattress, and then Brendan had hauled around some like <laughs> just block of foam, which was too big to fit anywhere. The whole way down, the whole way back, it just got in the way the whole weekend. A, a block of uh, ex-futon uh, foam repackaged. <laughs> just some random block of foam that he had for some reason. Uh, anyway, we got into this factory where we were settled in for the night. And, and up on your screen here you can see uh, FV Extreme is, is backed right in and we've literally backed the boat straight up to the mattresses. Yeah, there's nothing like sleeping with your boat tucked in beside you all nice and safe, Joe. So, yeah. Quite funny. We brought all this bedding and then we were in a bed warehouse. But uh, you know what? I was still quite comfy in my swag and I reckon you probably got a bit cold out there in on the concrete floor. I was all right, actually. I had I had my minus eight sleeping bag. So no, it was beautifully warm and I brought a pillow from home and it was good. But um, yeah, Dave, did you, did you take your mattress out of its plastic condom? Um, no, I just slept in my swag. <laughs> <laughs> So you guys slept on uh, Webster mattresses. Yeah, we did. But they remained packaged in plastic yeah, so yeah. they could now be resold. <laughs> yeah. You should have signed them. They could have got they could have sold them for double the price down I the could, track. I could have. Joey was Joey was here. Yeah. Very on, on the wrapper. Yes. So we had a nice night's sleep there. Uh, and a certain member of the fishing party was uh, a bit negative about the weather, weren't they, Joe? Oh yeah. Yeah, there was a bit of there was a bit of uh, renegotiations. There was an attempted renegotiation of fishing for Monday. There was. We were planning on going sword fishing. Oh, wait, I can set the scene here. Dave says, set your alarm for quarter to five. All right, 4.45. Dun, 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 dun. The alarm goes off. I, After about 10 minutes, I figured no one's waking up. So I just go to wham on the factory lights to wake up everybody. And as soon as those factory lights come on, I hear this... Gargantuan whale from Brendan Wing. <laughs> Gargantuan whale. Oh, it's 10 to 15 knots. Oh, it's fucked out there today. But I'm easy with whatever you guys want to do. Yeah. No, it's really set the scene, didn't he? So it was, from that moment on, obviously a lot of indecision, Joe. Uh, but you know what? I was like, we're here. We're doing some sort of fishing. We're going down there. We're launching the boat and we're going to just have see what happens. We're going to head out to sea and see what happens. Uh, along the way, obviously, we needed some breakfast, which you might think that's a minor point. Why are you talking about that on the podcast? Well, well we did like just just backtrack a second. Like we had a, a whale that the weather was no good. Like we we packed. We you just kept packing the boat like nothing had been said. You just popping. Oh, the, sorry, the boat was packed, but we were just packing up the bedding and putting our clothes, our fishing clothes on, and nothing was going to stop Davy from getting into the ocean. And well, I wanted to go fishing too because how often do you get, you know, two days off, you know, you've, you've got um, time granted away from the family, work or all your other commitments at life. It was a real blessing to be able to get two days fishing out in the deep blue ocean um, at a place that was teeming with reports. Lots of good fish had been coming in at Lakes Entrance. So we didn't want to miss out. Yeah, that's right, Joe. And even the night before I was fixing a switch issue we had in the boat, tying some bricks up, generally getting prepared. And there was definitely some wailing from the factory floor about why even bothering? We're not freaking going tomorrow. It's crap out there. And anyway, 
carried on and pushed on and then, uh, yes, just the trip to the ramp collecting food became quite interesting when... Oh, there was some food tantrums. A member of the fishing party, who shall rename nameless, was very displeased about the level of cooking applied to what can only be described as steamed ham. <laughs> steamed ham rolls that were sold at this particular service station, Joe. Yeah, well, look, the, the day before there was um, some egg and bacon rolls purchased at, at, a, at an establishment and um, the feedback was amongst the crew that the, um, the bacon hadn't been cooked properly. Um, but, you know, after about an hour of negotiating if we were going fishing or not, we were already running late to the ramp. So we had to make a pretty quick decision on food. Um, so w- Dave and I... We, we knew there was steamed ham, but we decided anyway because we we're in a hurry. That's right. Only to get back in the car and it's like, why'd you buy from them? I've had an argument with them about the ham, not, about the bacon not being cooked enough. We've got to go down the road and get Macca's bacon. And we're like, oh, God, we're running late already. Yeah. So well, that put us behind. You know, and look, my feedback on, on bacon, okay, like first of all, the meat's already been salted and, and cured. So it's basically cooked in its own juices already. So Oh uh, yeah, she's edible from the word gojo. If you wanna if you wanna get back on the water quickly, you just eat that steamed ham and you keep on going. But it wasn't to be. So steamed ham and McDonald's stop later. We launch. We couldn't we couldn't let our fellow crewmen go hungry. No, we couldn't. We acquiesced to his request, got the boat out eventually, and we're headed out there again. Now, it was definitely a bit breezy out there, and as we started to head towards the sword grounds, we're about a third of the way there, and I was looking at the seas that were getting increasingly worse, and as you'll know down there, Joe and anyone who's fished out there quite a bit, once you get past the oil rigs and towards the shelf where the current starts to run, it's always worse than it is on the inside of all the oil rigs. So it's like a different weather system completely. Like it was such a stark reminder of how the ocean changes. Um, and look, without hamming it up too much, well, the forecast was sort of 10 to 15 knots, maybe gusting up to 17. What do it, you reckon? It was forecasted about, um, well, my, my call was about 12, but yeah, maybe it was blowing about 12 to 15. Uh, anyway, on the way out, it, it certainly was getting a bit, it was a bit of a slog, Joe. And I thought, I don't really feel like slogging it out 90 k's into this weather, sitting out there all day, bobbing around, dropping bricks. As much as I want to go sword fishing again, there is another option there. There's been a lot of rumors, scuttlebutt as you might say, of some big bluefin in the region. And I always, Joe, put, some trolling lures in the boat when I go to Lake's entrance because you just never know what's going to be swimming through there. We know that uh, yellowfin tuna, bluefin tuna, albacore all can frequent the area, so it's worth having lures in. So we thought, you know what, stuff it. At least until it calms down a bit, let's go just troll some lures around these oil rigs. It works off the southwest of Victoria. It's probably going to work here. Well, that's right, Dave, and there's such a vast amount of ocean that's covered running out to those sword grounds, you know, anywhere from 80 kilometres to uh, 110, 120 kilometres. It's just a mammoth bit of water. And um, it was absolutely fantastic to have a a plan B um, if we weren't going to be going sword fishing. That's right. So basically just pick the nearest 
rigged to us, diverted across to it. Got there and there was really good bait, a little bit of bird life, enough to be interesting anyway, Joe. So we deployed some lures. We had the big spreader bars. No, nothing, nothing spectacular. Couple of gannets, couple of ospreys. That's like right. scattered, like, you know, it wasn't your traditional uh, tuna life down the southwest coast where you're seeing the gannets funneling or the dolphins schooling up. Like it was, it was patchy as all hell. Yeah, look, it was patchy, but given that on the first couple of laps around the rig or in the region, we mar- I marked on the depth sounder what I said, this has to be tuna. That's what tuna look like on this sounder. So I reckon that's what these are. So to me, as soon as you mark fish in the area, that's where you got to hang around and concentrate your effort to. So we, we kept in the region uh, and the bait became thicker and thicker. Wise words from a very experienced barrel captain, mind you. So Say that again. If you're marking fish in an area, that's worth staying there. Yeah. How many times are you out on the tuna fields and people leave... Um, good signs of a tuna. It's a tough one because sometimes you stay in that area all day and nothing happens and people will go off looking and find something better. But it, you, you trust your electronics though. Yeah, if you're happy with uh, if you're happy with what you're seeing and you can trust your electronics, then it certainly gives you the drive to stick in that area because you can mark fish all day and eventually something will switch them on to feed, which is sort of what happened. The life started to get better and better um, and we were just trolling along. Me and Brendan were talking about spreader bars and the two we had out the back, the bangers teasers, we were looking at them and we're going, God, these those things look good. If anything's down there, they're coming up for that. We only really had three lures out because the other ones had different sword setups on them and we weren't sure how long we were going to stay there and I was like, you know what, I'm happy just with those two big spreader bars making all that noise out there. I'd... I'm happy just running those two. And we are just talking about them and how effective they are and um, how guys down in the southwest, including Matt Hunt, have been great exponents of them and a real cracked into life, Joe. And gave you quite a fright because you were sleeping on the beanbag. I was. I was, uh, I was asleep. I'd, uh, I'd surrendered to the fact um, that I needed to sleep. Mm. All day. <laughs> wasn't all day. <laughs> I'd say you were asleep a good 70% of the day. Not almost nocturnal like. Just resting my eyes, Dave. Like it wasn't like full REM, like mm. passed out. What is it like to awaken from your sleep to a real screaming off? <laughs> Very disorientated. <laughs> I bet you were a bit confused. <laughs> I didn't know how to put the harness on for <laughs> half a second. <laughs> I don't think that was due to your sleep. Um <laughs> Because I wake up and like, ah! is like, get the camera. We're like, we're really on. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. That was probably one of the most unexpected bites I've ever had. And this thing was dumping line, dumping line. We, we probably had a couple of hundred metres in the water before we even got the rod down from the rocket launcher. Was it the Tianos uh, 50? Yeah, Tianos 50. She was Leave screaming. the drag, yeah. Like, it was unreal. One of those real unreal moments where you're like, oh, there really is fish here and we've actually hooked on. So we went to work battling this fish and it was a really good one, probably around 90 kilo plus, Joey. Yep, I was harnessed up and uh, yeah, I worked on him for about 22 minutes. Yeah, probably 20 minutes, half an hour and um, everything went beautifully. 
Everything went so beautifully. Like a well-oiled tuna catching machine. That's right. We've done it a few times. We know what to do. We got the job done until... And filmed. <laughs> filmed. We, and filmed. We, we, had, we had a full TV studio. I think we had four cameras all pointing on this uh, particular fish. We had like five cameras on this... Yeah, four to five cameras on this fish and disaster struck, Joe. We got him up. You and Brendan decided you wanted to have some smoked tuna, so the gaff was prepared. And that's right, some hot smoked tuna. You were like, you you exclaimed to us, you go, "Are we keeping?" And Brendan's like, "Yeah, I want to have some hot smoked tuna." I was like, "Okay." So yep. it was decided. It was decided. So anyway, we got the perfect gaff shot in there. It was traced up beautifully. It what was is wound the, in by what, you. What is the perfect gaff shot? In your opinion? Oh, in my opinion, the perfect gaff shot is straight over the shoulder of a big tuna. I like. Into the thickest part, just behind the head, into the meat. The head can be very hard around the gill plates and that, so potential for the gaff to bounce off. But if you get it just in behind the head there in the thick meat, generally it's a really good spot to hold it, which is what we did. But I've never seen anything like it. This fish got hit by the gaff and it was like we hit the go button with the gaff pole. Like an adrenal gland was burst, Joe, because this thing turned into an absolute maniac and went straight under the boat at full speed. I'm trying to hang on to the gaff. Gaff starts to flex. And next thing, just explosion. The gaff breaks in my hands. Fish is on the loose. Look, it wasn't even one, it wasn't even half a second. Like I've literally heard the gaff go, and then like, like I heard the gaff hit the fish. And then it's like Brennan goes, you didn't got him and you've gone. Like, well, I did except the part I got him with is still in the fish and I'm left with a gaff exploded gaff handle. I guess what I'm trying to say is it wasn't like two sounds, like the gaff hitting the fish and then the gaff breaking. Like it all happened so fast. It was just like one sound. And then unfortunately he was straight under the boat, under the motor. Poor old Joey was not prepared. He thought that was all over. I thought it was all over. I've heard that 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 whack and I'm like, he's got him. No. A lesson to be had, Joey. Never give up until the fish is on the deck. You know that. Or now. at least a second gaff is into him. That's right. So anyway, but we've kind of analysed it and we're like, sure, if you reviewed it a hundred times, you could probably do things differently. But in the heat of the moment, wasn't really a whole lot we could have done. She went straight under the boat. Gaff obviously broken. Rod goes on a horrible angle and breaks. Line under motor, gone. Fish of dreams. Yep. So I actually have been doing a bit of research and I mean, I'm sure there has been. But in terms of proper big fish around 100 kilos caught off lakes, trolling lures, you can't actually find an example of it. So it's extremely rare. Not a bycatch of sword fishing, specifically targeted barrels trolling. Yeah, trolling the rigs, yeah. So it was, you know, it was what I can think of the top of my head several moments in my fishing career where really important fish have been lost that would have been game changers. Look, I'm just going to put it out there. Is it the temperature of the water? Is it just the optimum, uh, you know, conditions for for, uh, bluefin tuna? What do we Uh, have? For for strength-wise. We had 14.7 degrees. Is that correct? Yeah, 14.6, 14.7. Yep. So I actually want to hear from anyone who's on the live feed. What's the 
What is the worst fish you have ever lost? What is the most important capture that never was for you guys? I'd like to hear about it because that was one of them. Um, there's been a few. There was a, another one that happened off lakes many years ago, which was one of the first swordfish that had been sort of caught out there amongst, you know, that anyone knew of anyway. Um, it was before the big run of swords and everyone was going out there doing it and we kind of went out there and hooked a really good one and lost it. That was really upsetting. Uh, there's been – there was another barrel off Flinders, local one, back before there was um, – before it was so common and that was really upsetting. But this one slots in right alongside those ones has been probably one of the one of the most upsetting fish I've ever lost, Joe. Have you, have you got any examples of that yourself? Yep. Um uh, I'm going to say the biggest school shark ever hooked at the western entrance of um, Western Port uh, on January. It was on my birthday, I don't know, seven or eight years ago. No, more about 10 years ago. Biggest ever school shark. And um, I said to my uncle, um, grab the net. And he literally put the net over the head of this gummy, sh- uh, this school shark. And he's just perfectly taken the hook out of its mouth by netting its head. Ah, yes. Quite a common occurrence, <laughs> the old net and hook. Yes, that's it. It, had, it was probably, probably had to be grabbed. Man, it sucks when things go wrong and it happens so quickly and you're just watching it happen knowing it's going to end badly and there's nothing you can do about it in that moment. And it just replays in your head over and over forevermore. You know what? And if we had to replay that moment again, you know, would we do anything differently? Well, I'd still take that shot with that gaff. It's it comes down to it for me. If the thing hadn't a snap, we would have been fine. That's right. And how often do you snap a gaff? Well, that's the first time I've broken one off in a. I've, in how I've many had years? I fail on a, a small schoolfish, like I had a, like a gaff oh, yeah. that was. Um, Those small gaffs, like yeah, it, yeah. It turns out it had like kind of rusted from the inside out, and anyway, and broke off. But yeah, that that just through pure power of the fish, that's the first time that's ever happened to me, Joey. It was rather upsetting. I'm curious on the live feed as well. If you're uh, joining us, uh, write in the chat. But uh, what's your favourite gaff? Because Dave's going to need a new gaff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So that was the tale of kind of triumph and definite tragedy of the weekend. We came back in with tails between our legs, Joe, and back into another work week. Weekend done. Yeah, that's it. I'd love to hear what everyone else got up to over the weekend, whether you had better luck than us. I know there was some good fishing to be had around the state, of which we will explore shortly. Joe Ryan's just mentioned on the live feed there that uh, he had a big tuna off Lakes Entrance. Must be the place for it. Go nuts as well. Towed them around backwards with a flying gaff. And, in fact, I was there, Joe. I took photos of that fish. Oh, wow. So, yeah, they definitely... Have the potential to humble you, these big tuna, and should always be respected. Yeah. So that's the trip for the weekend done. A good good, successful trip, I say, Joe. I had a ball. Did you have a ball? Yeah, had a great time. Can't wait to get back there and into some more fishing. Uh, question here on the live feed from Brock Ely. What rod? Uh, it's not really the rod's fault, Brock. It was a Shimano Speedmaster which actually belonged to my brother. So, yeah, that was a fun phone call, letting him know I'd snapped his rod. Yeah, you put it eloquently too. You were like, uh, remember that time I broke your bike when I was 13? Well, this is what's happened with your rod 
fast forward 15 years? <laughs> well, I'd sort of planned how I'd tell him and I said, it was actually this, Joe. Remember when we were like 13 and you took, you borrowed my precious game fishing rod and you caught a big stingray on it and you snapped it in half? Well, I guess we're even now. <laughs> He's like, what? I'm like, yeah, your rod, she's no longer what she was before. <laughs> she's no longer with us anymore. <laughs> he took it like a champ and uh, I'll obviously be replacing that because um, completely not the rod's fault, just went on a horrible angle. Joseph was too slow on the drag. Tut, tut. Oh, and had about two seconds to react from I've got it, no, I don't have it. There, there it goes, bang, like literally that quick. So realistically, realistically that fish did like probably, it broke our hearts, but it also did probably close to $1,000 of damage. $400 rod, whatever it is. It broke our hearts and our wallets. It broke our wallets. I think that, that rod's like 400 bucks. The spreader bars are like 400. a couple hundred bucks. Is it actually yeah. far out? Yeah. I was hearing $150 for the rod. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, shit. Um, I might have paid something closer to that. <laughs> or Tom paid. Uh, anyway, I broke the rod. Lure gone, $200 lure. And... Uh, sorry, no, $200 spreader bar and probably about $100 lure. All gone. Devastating. Rubbing salt into the wound for sure. Unbelievable, Dave. So anyway, we'll replace it all and hopefully get out there again shortly. So that's the tale of the weekend. Well done. That's, uh, that was, it was fun. It was a fun we'll do weekend. do it again. Yeah. So anything else you want to cover off, Joe, before we head over to our fishing reports? Oh, look, I just... Um want to make a uh, shout-out to the people that, uh, that that got in touch with me over the last week. Um, last week I mentioned what ground my gears was gold Kit Kats. It seemed to be eliminated from the Kit Kat series, but, um, yeah, we've got messages from uh, Memphis Huron managed to find that uh, gold Kit Kat was still available at Karingle um, Big W, uh, Karingle Big W. So there's plenty of gold Kit Kat there, and we also had – Christine Gillum sent us a message, Dave. And where, and where did she manage to find um, Gold Kit Kat? I think it was like a general store near Bermagui, wasn't it? Bermagui. So Bermagui still got Gold Kit Kat. So I think everywhere does. I think you just panicked. No, it's definitely, it's, it's dwindling. <laughs> they're, they're not selling it on $16, $16 on Kogan because there's plentiful bounties of it. Right. No, no, no. <laughs> okay. All right. It's dwindled. I get it. Anyway, can we put... Can we put an end to that uh, that chocolate fiasco now? Yeah, we're going to go straight to what's biting around the country. Let's do it. Welcome to the hookup, where we go around Australia and indeed the world for the freshest fishing reports. Ah, uh, it's that time of week again, Joey. We've probably covered a little bit of the reports. Uh, we know what happened out east. Well, actually, we don't because we haven't mentioned that there was a lot of people, a lot of people much more successful than us running out of lakes entrance. There was some some nice swordfish captured, which was the last weekend of the swordfishing competition out of there. And there was some uh, nice fish caught up to probably around 140-odd kilo swordfish, that is. Uh, and It was basically you had, you had 
three and a half good days on the sword grounds um, if you had a boat able to get that distance. So, yeah, good weather over the weekend. Lots of people got out fishing. Yeah, if you were happy to put up with a little bit of rough weather, it was definitely fishable throughout that whole weekend. And really interestingly enough, Joey, there was a lot of uh, what you might call knives captured. Small swordfish in the 30 to 40 kilo. Oh, yeah, 30 to 40 kilo range. 60 kilos, a couple of 80s. Yeah, so really interesting to see that. And obviously we're not like fisheries scientists, but it's um, interesting that we've seen that size class of fish coming through now, whereas back in the day they were probably rare as hen's teeth, um, those smaller fish, Joe. So some people did quite well out of Lake's entrance. The other fishery which we also discussed last week was Apollo Bay Big Bluefin. Oh, yeah. And I really wanted to go to Apollo Bay. <laughs> yeah, you did, but that would have been a cop-out, wouldn't it? Yeah, well, yeah. Oh, we've done it. We've done it to death, mate. We've done it to death. I mean, we'll do, we will do more of it, though. Let's let's be honest. But anyway, that went. I believe that fished quite well for the big tuna, Joey. So a little bit of wind on it and um, they went pretty well. Um, I know that the Blackfords, I think they got at least one fish around 120 kilo over the weekend, which was good to see. And uh, plenty of other guys getting stuck into them down there. So exciting stuff happening there. The tuna out of uh, some still some big ones out of Port Mac. And the school fish out of Portland have been going really well as well. I'm sure there's some bigger ones there as well. Yeah, a lot of the charters down in Portland have been showing that the the school tuna have been absolutely going off their tits, um, which is good. (laughs) Off their tits, you say, Joey. Um, So, yeah, that probably covers a lot of the game fishing in the state. Um, But as you move up the East Coast, there was that other option we discussed over the weekend, Joe. The yellowfin tuna have made quite the resurgence of the last few years and they started to make an appearance over the weekend mixed in with some bluefin as well. Yeah. Boats fishing wide of Bateman's Bay got stuck into them. Um, we had good mate Rodney Gillum up there. Well, on cubing and trolling. Yeah, cubing and trolling. So it's interesting to see some old school cubing happening again. It's been a while since that's been the preferred method but I saw some nice yellowfin getting caught on the cube which is, a, you know, it's an exciting technique, Joe. To have these big sickled fish cruising through the ocean underneath your boat and watch them eat and your feeder cube to them and hook up. So we did nearly go up there, but we decided not to. Rodney, our good mate, was up there um, and he said it was, wasn't was on fire by any means, but um, I'll jump straight to the King Kong Donkey on Catch of the Week here, Joey. Oh, but he's called it. King Kong Donkey Kong, mate. Look, <laughs> uh, Suraj has approved it. Suraj has approved it. Nicholas Gillum with his first yellowfin tuna there on the cube, straight off Vermigui, I'm told. And uh, it's an absolute beauty, probably around 30 kilo. And look at him, bloody stoked. That's not all he caught though, Joey. He also caught a beautiful big brim on a lure that we've discussed on yes, the podcast absolutely. previously. Well, we discussed it in the car with uh, Rodney on, on the drive home. The muss. He caught his biggest brim ever at Bermagui on the muss. So is that is that a lure that looks like a muscle? A lure that you wouldn't believe was actually going to work. Like a black muscle in a shell. It's not even like a deshelled muscle. Is which this the first time you've seen the muss, Joe? I've never seen it. Are Mate, you, we talked about it on the podcast. I thought, <laughs> I, in my mind, I would have thought that a muscle lure would be a deshelled 
muscle, like not a actual no, no, it's black muscle. muscle in the shell. And it seems like a joke, but they actually work really well. So I don't know which one of those fish is more valuable. Both bloody awesome catches. And for that, he, Nicholas Gillum gets King a, Kong Donkey Kong Catch of the Week, Joey. It's got a bloody treble connected to it, a black muscle with the It's literally treble. just a muscle with a treble. <laughs> it is. I don't even understand how it works. It's even got a beautiful like contour, like um, like shell marks in it. Like it's a it's a well thought out lure. It's a it's it's a muscle. It's just a muscle <laughs> with hooks in it, and it works. So awesome! Well done, young Nicholas. Bloody beauty! Catch of the week, Joe. Love it. Uh, you were going to tell us a little bit about your good mate, mate Rob Blumick. He's been out to Lake Purrumbeet, I believe. No, it was um, I thought it was the, the Purrumbeet, but they oh. actually went to Lake uh, Bull and Mary. They went to Lake Bull and Mary. Yeah, yeah, they went to Lake Bull and Mary, and I'll just uh, we'll, we'll get some uh, details up on that. Uh, John and Here. Rob Blumink, brothers in arms, um, had a crack of a had a cracker of a weekend down at Lake Bull and Mary. Boated around forty fish and kept fifteen. Biggest was a tiger trout weighing uh, 1.9 kilos. Ten of the fish were all over the one kilo mark. Was a real shame that they weren't more people. And there we go. We've got uh, Rubby up on the screen with a nice brown trout. Beautiful brown dog. Yeah. Uh, they weren't more people because we're all out bashing ourselves to death on the ocean. Yeah. Well, that's. <laughs> <laughs> and, oh, there's, there's John there. Is that, is that chin dog or tiger? They mentioned they caught tiger trout that didn't have many markings on it. Yeah, I actually don't know. I think that's a tiger, isn't it? Could be. Or is it a chin dog? Let us know, everyone. What is it? We're not experts. Nah, it's a tiger. Reckon? Nah, it's a chin dog. Nah, it's a tiger. It's not a chin dog. Okay. Chinook, we should say. That's John Blumink there. Very proud uh, of. That's the sounder. Reminiscent of what we had when we looked out there a few weeks ago. There's some uh, snapper boomerangs there. Joel uh, Ryan says, fresh water is for drinking, salt is for fishing. Yeah, that's... Certainly a worthy point. Yeah. Have a look <laughs> at those markings there in the fresh. It's pretty impressive. It is impressive. Um, probably optimum position uh, conditions for a sounder to be working too, really. Nice, clear, fresh water. And, yeah. Um, if you're ever going to put your sounding sounding skills to the test, that's probably a good place to test it out. Absolutely. Oh, Dave Jurisic is saying it's a tiger. Yeah, I reckon too. A tiger was I called not- it, Joe. Yep, you did. Well so. done. Yeah, so they had a good weekend, did they, Joey? They had a great weekend, yep. There's the boat. Yep, that's it. Beautiful. You've got some more reports as well. Yeah, yeah. We've um, also got here reported uh, down on the southwest coast, Ma- Mason Caruana landed this beautiful 88-centimetre mulloway from the Glenelg River over the weekend. Not a bad first mulloway at all. That's a beauty. You were very happy with the Richardson Marine... Reports this week, actually. They Dave. had some fantastic reports over the last week um, and there's also some great weather, so a lot of people went fishing. And we also had their... Jessica Lane. Yes. Big brown trout from the Merry River. Yep, that's exactly right. Um, big brown trout from the Merry River. There's been lots of bait in the river, which is making these fish super aggressive. And another one from the Merry River caught on the lure that we... Made famous. Yeah, Lockie Chatterton with a nice <laughs> trout caught from the Mary River. On the double clutch. On the double clutch, Dave. And I thought that the double clutch was something that was in Dave's Navara, but that wasn't the case. <laughs> there was definitely no d- double clutch because I stalled it down the boat ramp. <laughs> now, enough of that freshwater garbage. Uh, no, that's harsh. 
We've got a saltwater Tassie report from our boy Jonah Yick. He's been out for a fish over the weekend uh, and he's provided a bit of an update, Joe. Yes. What's uh, young Jonah got to say? Barrel bite has been inconsistent out of Eagle Hawk Neck. Still big fish around at the moment. I did see Stewie Nichols had a double hookup of giant tuna down there, Joe, and he actually gave one of them away to another boat. They both got landed. They were like 115 and 120 kilo respectively. So some lucky angler just got handed a rod from Lockie Nichols and two big barrels landed. Friggin' Ooh. awesome. Nice. Um, <clears throat> so Jonah actually... Uh, mentions that, so I've just stolen his thunder. But he's saying the big fish are around between Waterfall Bay down to Tasman Island and uh, Stewie Nichols, he mentions there, he went south to find a more consistent bite of schoolies, smaller fish, for a half day of fishing, fish south of Bruny Island for good numbers of 12 to 15 kilo bluefin and big jackass mormong. <laughs> jackass mormong. <laughs> big jackasses <laughs> on the bottom. Still big bluefin being caught off Shooting Island, he says, and a few big tuna caught off St. Helens on the troll and deep drop for the winter challenge competition. He says that is all he knows. We've got a photo of his couple of smaller bluefin. He loves it, the boy. He loves it. He's bloody stoked. So there's your Tassie report for you, Joey. Don't you get sick of tuna, Jonah? Well, we don't. No, we don't. We should, but we don't. No, we don't. We love them. They've poisoned our minds. We have. They're very... It's addictive when you're reasonably okay at catching them. That's right. Very addictive. So that wraps up the hookup. Plenty going around. I'm a big fan of that. That was a good good hookup, Dave. Plenty going on around the state and we are just waiting for this weather just to settle a little bit and allow us to go out fishing. It's really windy again. It's turning windy again as of Saturday. So no bueno, as we say. (laughs) No bueno, my friend. No bueno. No bueno. So brilliant reports going on there and uh, that wraps up the fishing part of the podcast. Um, I've got uh, – I'm angry. I've been angry several times throughout this podcast but I, I guess – I think we've expressed our angers. I'm still going to express it again. Okay, sure. Why not? We now go to Peter Griffin for You Know What Really Grinds My Gears. Thanks, Tom. You know what really grinds my gears? Well, it grinds my gears, Joe, when you've got the fish of your dreams on. He comes up. He looks you in the eye, you look at him in the eye and you think, I'm slamming a gaff into you and I'm bringing you home. <laughs> you swing that gaff in with all your might, it lands perfect. It's the perfect shot right behind the head. And the fish wakes up, goes crazy. You think, that's all right, I'll just hang on to him with my beautiful expensive gaff. No, your gaff explodes into a million pieces in your hand. And you're left holding a broken pole with a broken heart. Gaff's breaking, gear failure grinds my gears, Joey. Yeah, it's very, very unfortunate when that happens. But, oh, well, them are the breaks. Quite uncommon, but, um, yeah, that's what's happened to us. <laughs> yep. Very upsetting, i got to say, Joe. Shall we move on to some questions? Let's move on to some questions, absolutely, but, yeah. Yeah, well. we'll get we'll, we'll we'll get those questions fired up in just a minute. Look, uh, you know we we have expressed a lot of grievances on this week's podcast, but uh, yeah, we'll just we'll move straight along to some questions. What have we got there, Davey? All right, we've got Joni Yick, who just loves to be involved. He's given us a report, and now he's giving us a question. 
Was the fish food? Oh, he wants to know what kind of fish food we just fed your fish before the podcast. Oh, they was it, were. Was it Hakari Bio Gold? No, no, it was um, tropical uh, red krill pellets. So you know that red krill that we see floating out in the ocean? It actually gets caught and then it gets uh, uh, dried into a powder and gets pressed into pellets. And mm. then those pellets get distributed into the fish tank. There you go, Jonah. Not whatever it was you said. Uh, another question. How did you go on the ET's seasickness tablets over the weekend? You actually put them to the test. Yeah, I did. Um, absolutely fantastic. Um, yeah, I enjoyed them. I, I think they definitely work better than Quell. Um, so, yeah, trying them about 85Ks offshore with, you know, current and you know, about 15 knots and rocking around from side to side, um, I was absolutely good as gold. Did not feel drowsy. Um, recommend them. They're a little bit on the expensive side. Like if you compare, say, a packet of Quells, sort of goes for about $12 um, for I think like 10 of these uh, ET pills made from a compound chemist. It's uh, about 26 bucks. That's shipped, I suppose. So, yeah, that's that's what they are. But no, I'll be I'll be using them from now on, definitely. Happy with them. Hmm. Good feedback. I thought, uh, yeah, you did say that they were working quite beautifully and that was probably the conditions that would have tested it. Uh, team Born to Fish, windy this weekend, boys. Is it whiting or Chinook salmon? <laughs> Crispy skinned Chinook for all, I say, Joe. Yeah. Whiting good, but those salmon are pretty big. They'd be exciting to catch. Yeah, absolutely. That's my vote. Uh, Marty Phillips, is Banana Boy, a.k.a. Joey, allowed back in the boat after the fishing trip? Uh-oh. Misfortunes. Uh, he's going to have to earn his trust back, Marty, and he's going to have to be searched upon hopping on the boat from now on, I'd yeah. say. P. Lynch Fishing, is Jason Taylor Kingfish God? You'd love to pat search me for my banana, Dave, wouldn't you? Um, absolutely, mate. Absolutely. <laughs> Ew, that's is gross. Jason Taylor Kingfish God or is it because he spends 150 days plus chasing them? Jason Taylor, good friend of the show, kingfish expert. Uh, he's, a, he's a god. He is a god, the man. No, he is very good on him uh, and he does spend a lot of time, but that's how you get good at things. He's very passionate. He's involved in a lot of citizen scientists, science and um, no, kudos to Jace. Absolute gun on the yellow tail. I'll tell you what, just some special commentary there. Like in Victoria, we wait for those hot summer months to chase kingfish. And, um, how's about... Back in the day, um, gosh, the the location just escaped me there. But um, in South Australia, in the middle of winter, there were big kings cruising up where that warm power plant was. What was that location, Dave? Um, at Warmies, at the Docklands. Is that no, what you're no, no, about? South Australia. Oh, Port Augusta. Port Augusta, that's the one. Far out. Like, wouldn't that be cool in the middle of the freezing winter to go and catch big kings <sighs> um, up up that that estuary river system? Yeah, so interesting fact there that blew my mind, which actually Lee, Lee Rayner mentioned when he was on the show a few weeks ago, that area, that Port Augusta station is further north than Sydney is. So yes. it is a long way inshore. Yeah, in the, in the middle of winter. Like yeah. that's just that's just blows my mind. They're just searching for that warmer water, I guess. So You know, and you know, there was such a good kingfish bite in Western Port. Uh, this year, you know, there was some commentary that, you know, the water peaked at the 23 degrees in that north arm off Yoringa there. During summer? Yeah. 
Yeah, no, so, it, it, I think it hit about 22 when those kingfish were going absolutely crazy. Is that normal? Yeah, that's normal over summer. Okay. She gets she gets pretty warm well, in there, tw- mate. 22 I would have thought, but 23, 24, it's getting up there for Western Port, I feel. Yeah, in it's In my hot. opinion. It's definitely hot. So that is about all the questions we've got tonight and probably nearly wraps up the show. Yeah. A couple of reminders. Uh, well, actually, one one thank you to everyone because uh, the King Kong Donkey Kong second run of hoodies is all but sold out. I think we've got like one left potentially or two and um, that was great that everyone got involved in that once again. Joey's showing off his hoodie. There you go. Joey's got one of the brand new ones. Yeah. Second edition. There you go. How are they, Joe? Comfy? Yeah, it's real smoomfy. Which is fantastic, but also a little bit um, upsetting because we ordered extra to sell at the live show and everyone's already bought them. <laughs> so we might have to get some more. Well, yeah. So, yeah, thanks, everyone. So, thanks for the support. We've got like one or two of them left. We've actually still got a handful of the other apparel design we did um, a few months ago, which was uh, Against the Tide, a different awesome design there. So there's a couple of them actually left as well. So if you came for some apparel from us, just do send us a message and we'll see what we, we can help you out with. But, um, yeah, thank you, everyone, for the support there and uh, really appreciate it. And uh, don't forget about the live stream. We've got to pick a few people to give tickets to to that, Joey. Oh, who wants to come along to the live show at Poker Face? Um, we're going to pick them out. We're going right? to pick them out. Okay. All right. Great participation tonight. We are going to give five tickets away. And these people. We had a, we had a first-time listener. We did have a first-time listener. His name was Calvin. Calvin, for being a first-time listener, reaching out to us on the podcast, you get a ticket. I'm like Oprah. You get a ticket. <laughs> um, and what would be the best way to distribute this? Get a uh, message on Instagram or Facebook? Yeah, shoot at, us a message on the socials. At Wind Against Tide. Send us a message to claim your prize. And we'll add you to the door list for the night. And you can, you can just bypass the line like a VIP and just wander in to the live, to the live show, which is going to be very exciting. And straight into pizza and the bar. Absolutely. Uh, so another one, I think good input tonight from Joel Ryan, Joe. Yep. Joel Ryan, you win a ticket. I'm happy with that. Touch base, we'll get you on the list. Actually, probably the- don't even need to touch base. We'll just get you on the list. Yep. Uh, ooh, who else are we looking at, Joey? It's been good tonight on the live feed. Mm, quite a lot of good input there. Brock. Brock? Brock Ely. Brock Ely. We were just saying we haven't seen the Ely's on, on the live stream for a little while. We'll give one away to you. That's how many. How many have we got left now? Two more. Two more. Snoop Dogg. Snoop Dogg, I think. The man. Absolutely. Ticket for Snoop Dogg. Yep. One more, Joey. One more. I'm thinking we go Daniel Hall. Oh, yeah, Daniel Hall. Great contributor. Yeah. There you go, boys. Five tickets given away. Yep, happy with that. Quite randomly thrown out there. So if you want to get in touch with us, we'll get you on the list and free entry into what's going to be a hell of a night. Yeah, can't wait for it. Well. Dave, we made it. <laughs> hell of a ride tonight, Spain. Hell of a ride. Thanks also for all of your support. 
Um, we cannot do this show without your input and, uh, yeah, without you guys tuning in. We love we love bringing it to you every week. We actually, you know, we enjoy it as an escape from our, our day jobs, our, our family and everything else in life. Um, we love our fishing friends and we love coming together every week online and sharing this all with you. And, yeah, um, just thanks again to all of you. Thanks, everyone. Love you all. We'll see you again next week. And we can't wait to see you for the big live show once again. Don't forget to buy your tickets. All right.